Welcome to episode 33 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. This month, the 24th official James Bond movie, Spectre, hits theaters, so we've gone back to the third Bond movie, Goldfinger. Ryan has been a pretty big Bond fan most of his life, and while I haven't actively avoided Bond movies, I've never gotten around to seeing Sean Connery as 007. Since Goldfinger is one of Ryan's favorites and is often talked about as the quintessential Bond movie, we thought it was a fitting choice. At the time of its release, Goldfinger was the fastest grossing movie of all time, which is kind of a weird record. I'm not even sure what they... <laughs> over how much time, how much so money. So fast. Just so fast. Just real quick. Um, and as Nate mentioned, it's often named the best Bond movie of all time. Federico Fellini actually called it one of those films that make cinema move forward. Though the style and feel of Bond movies have changed over time, from the campiness of the Roger Moore era to the serious grit of the current reign of Daniel Craig, the aesthetic of Goldfinger is often the one people remember and point to as the classic Bond feel. But does that mean that it's any good? Does Goldfinger earn its place at the top of that list? Or has its golden reputation caused it to die of skin suffocation? Which may or may not be a real thing. May or may not be a real thing, but... <laughs> In any case, keep listening. Goldfinger He's the man The man with the Midas touch A spider's touch Such a cold finger Beckons you To enter his web That was the unmistakable theme to Goldfinger. I, I, I love that song. Oh, it's I amazing. knew that song, by the way, I'm before sure the, I saw the movie, but, and I've always loved that song. Yeah, it's a great song. And, you know, I heard a story about that song that may or may not be true, that when Shirley Bassey was singing it, um, she was watching the opening credits sequence as she was singing to kind of line up the song mm-hmm. to what was happening on the um, video. And she hit that last note without realizing how much time was left in the <laughs> opening credit sequence. And so she held this really powerful note, um, for according to the story, long enough that she almost passed out. Wow. I don't know if that's true. Um, they, that almost sounds like a Bond title in itself. The note that the note that lasted too long. Yeah, that does. That sounds like it shows you how much I know about Bond. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. But there's something there. So we're we're talking about Goldfinger, and I've loved this movie for a really long time. Uh, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. It was the one that I would watch more than any other Bond movie. Hmm. 
was it on TV a no, lot for you? No, or? no, I always I just checked it out a lot. Oh, really? <laughs> Rented really? it a lot, yeah. And Goldfinger was all, your parents were probably like again, Ryan? <laughs> really? They, they didn't, nah, they didn't. I don't think they really cared. They didn't watch it with me every time. It, this was like junior high age. Okay, I, like with Goldeneye, the video game, I just wanted to watch a lot of Bond movies. So that's what made you go back. Yeah, you think? I okay. mean, I remember seeing them. My dad watched them when I was little. I don't know. I just liked them. And you know what was it? What station always did like the Bond marathon? Was it TNT? It might have been. That doesn't really matter. The matters point is, to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. The point is, uh, I remember someone saying that Goldfinger was one I needed to see, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I really like that one. And I don't know. It was just the one that stuck with me. Yeah. What was the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we always try to get our a little background, I guess. So you're just jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah, but I had a thought. Oh, well. I somehow have never yeah. seen this one. And oh, actually, I was going... Sean any Sean Connery. And I went down the list, and I think... Don't tell me you haven't seen a Roger Moore. No, I, I actually have only... He did like... 11. It's not about how many they did. It's about the it, fact that I didn't is. watch any James Bond movies. I've only seen Tomorrow Never Dies, which was the second uh-huh. Pierce Brosnan movie. Yep. I saw that in the theater. I saw that in the theater, and I really loved it when I saw it in the theater. Uh, that one had some pretty awesome action in it, actually. Yeah. Then I kind of stopped all the way. Well, not all the way, because there wasn't much between. But was like one or two. Yeah, and then I stopped until Daniel Craig came on board, and I saw Casino Royale. And then I only saw uh, Skyfall. Mm. that's kind of it that's crazy Quantum i saw of scenes good. of moonraker <laughs> that went probably on one of those marathons because it was on probably, tv i remember yeah. that's crazy but what's weird is that i really did know a lot about james bond like yeah. all the stuff you're supposed to know like the shaken not stirred and just the look of james bond yeah. and also for whatever reason I obviously didn't get a lot of the references, but I love the Austin Powers movies when I was that age. You know, yeah. those came out when I was in junior high, so yeah. it was perfect. I, I yeah, I do think I think that Austin Powers had a hand in making me want to watch more Bond movies too. Playing the Golden Eye video game a ton, and, and I played actually, that game a lot. And sixty four's Golden Eye. Yeah. Well, actually, another big thing that contributed to it was my friends and I in junior high. We would hang out and watch a Bond movie and then play. Goldeneye till like dawn. <laughs> so yeah. Bond was kind of a thing with me and my friends too. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to me that of the 24 Bond movies, you've seen three now? Hardly any. And you know, you always have your two watch lists, the ones that mm-hmm. you know you need to see. But even on that, the only ones that were really on there were Goldfinger and Dr. No. Yeah. I mean, are there other ones that are like absolutely essential? Even if you're not a James Bond fan, you need to see these James Bond movies. Um, I mean, I would add Sky Skyfall. Yeah, for sure. Um, not need to. There are definitely good ones. There are also some terrible ones. I think the first three are really good. To Russia with Love is good. You missed that's Doctor No. To Russia with Love and then Goldfinger are the first three. And I think those are really good. I think Sean Connery is usually are pretty solid. Roger Moore is pretty hit and miss. Timothy Dalton, actually, he only did two, but I think they're good. I've, well, I've only seen one of them, but that's like a darker sort of... Which one's that? Um, I think it's License to Kill. That's the one that's the darker one you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the Timothy Dalton in the 80s. Okay. Um, some people really like the campiness of the Roger Moore ones. I only I know, know Roger Moore is the one that they reference in Lost in Translation. 
Yeah. When Bill Murray has to be more Bond. Like, yeah. And he keeps yeah. saying Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore, that's the one you go to. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, aside from the ones we, Dr. Noah Goldfinger, and then I think modern sensibility skyfall i don't think anything's essential mm -hmm. but is it kind of like comfort food for you in a it way? is it was kind of funny and maybe we'll talk more about this but i was watching goldfinger i'm like i don't need to watch this again to talk about it you like just know yeah you've got everything you it. need to do this episode yeah beforehand uh, yeah i've seen it so much like a good casserole <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it is it's like a good casserole i guess mashed potatoes at thanksgiving that's right well, let's bring the, the Letterboxd thing mm -hmm. into it. We, we often rate our movies on Letterboxd.com. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this and this is one of your first times listening, you know, we do recommend you go on to Letterboxd.com where mm -hmm. you can rate your movies and just follow us or we'll follow you and we can see what each other are watching. Yeah. Before jumping into our conversation, we, we get a baseline uh, feel for where we're coming from for this movie. So yeah. I don't need to really ask you if your ratings changed, but are you going to go the full five star on this? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. It was rated at four for me. Okay. I, I mean, as much as I have an affinity for it, I know it's, it is what it is too. You know, it's a good, it's a good spy James Bond movie. Yeah. I think the only James Bond that I would put, I think four is about the cap for me for that, okay. for, for a James Bond movie. Um, but Skyfall could, I think Skyfall actually did go higher than four for me because it's such a different movie. Yeah. It's a Bond art movie almost. So I think it's kind of in a different category for me. And it might have been for some Bond fans, too. And also just making it just look so great. Oh, and, yeah. And absolutely. Roger every, Deakins. Yeah. But yeah, Goldfinger for me is a four on Letterboxd. So for me, mm -hmm. uh, watching it for the first time. Now, I, I did take your advice to heart. At the last episode, you said you were worried because you thought, because I had seen Austin Powers, that I was going to just find it parts of it funny. Yeah. Uh, and that you wanted me to try to... I'll take it super seriously. No, but you wanted me to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. I guess. Be aware of that. Is that fair enough to say? Yeah. All right. So, uh, and I can kind of talk about how I did that, but I do feel like I actually did that. Good. And um, I think I'm going to settle on uh, three and a half, but I wouldn't okay. look into that too much. Oh, I'm not. Okay. I, I was only going to be offended if it was like less than three, but not necessarily offended. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine you can rate it three and a half we'll talk okay. about it that's why we're here so nate and i have our martinis i accidentally stirred mine though you did i saw that <laughs> i saw like, you like, grabbed the swizzle doing? stick but i was on i i was too far away um but mine mine's shaking <clears throat> we're wearing tuxedos the stage is set we're ready to get into this i haven't worn this tux in a while and that's why it looks so tight on me. yeah the sleeves are a little short. You're right. I was a 17-year-old ring bearer. <laughs> it was awkward for everybody, but... Um, they always saw you as a little kid. It's the tux I have, so it's the tux I'm wearing. The tux you'll be buried in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we're, we're, what I'm saying is we're ready. We're ready for this. Where do we start? Where do we start with this? I, I feel like you should start it because I, can, I feel like I could probably go with you wherever. Okay. Um, okay, so... What I did, because I, I knew that if I just had jumped into it and watched it, it's an action movie, but it's old. So those mm -hmm. are always hard to watch. Yeah. Because you kind of have to just know the limitations of what they had. Also, the, style. the stuff that would have blown them away at the time. Yeah. Action movies just have yeah. a pace to them over history that it's just so accelerated that yes. you, you can grow so 
numb to the kind of things that were so amazing back then. Yeah, you don't come to this movie this at this point in time for the action. Right. So I was more kind of watching it to kind of see what's this movie trying to do mm-hmm. and also um, where was it coming from? And so to answer that last question, I saw one of our listeners, Eric, who always chimes in. He also said, you kind of have to start with Dr. No. Mm-hmm. And there was another listener, Eric, who's actually been on the show a couple times, who mentioned Dr. No on our Facebook post. Yeah, we're a big hit with the Eric's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So, so you watched Dr. No first. I actually went, I had Goldfinger, and then I said, you know what? I'm actually just going to go get Dr. No, too. It's a good and idea. So I watched Dr. No first. Right, yeah, and I hated that. that movie. Did you really? Oh, my gosh. People I hate, love that one. I know. I don't get it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't even get don't what's remember. great about I it. I watched it maybe like, I think I watched it maybe Maybe twice. it was very new at the time. Mm-hmm. But even as like an action movie or even as just a spy thriller, I mean, it just seems, it seems very lame yes. to me, even by 60s standards. From what I remember of it, I remember being like, oh, I don't really need to see this again. That yeah. But I think it is, I think you're doing the right thing. It set everything up. Yeah. Dr. No felt not quite, confident in, even in what it was mm-hmm. doing or it hadn't Almost really not sure quite figured people, it out it was stumbling through it or what people would want from it yeah and so i'm really glad i did that though because i was like um i don't even really want to watch goldfinger anymore it's gonna be <laughs> anything like this but what I was really pleasantly surprised by almost from the beginning when you pop in goldfinger mm-hmm. is how much more assured of itself it is yeah and just embodies everything that you've come to know about what James Bond is. Right. And I guess it was just kind of really nice to see, like, this is the Bond I know. It's right from the beginning. I mean, Dr. No has nothing like what Goldfinger has with with even, like, the the action scene in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, that really doesn't have anything to do with the plot of the rest of the movie. Yeah, it just hooks it's you. It just hooks you in. Yeah. That's new in Goldfinger. I can't, I don't, I didn't see To Russia With Love, so I can't speak to whether it came in the second movie, but... Um, I, don't, I don't recall... And um, it had the movie's theme song in addition to the James yeah, Bond theme. Right. The title theme. And, and that, I mean, I already talked about how I love the Goldfinger song, but that actual sequence is just really great to watch. Yeah. I mean, all the projection on like the yeah, gold the body. Gold bodies, right. It's very it's sexy, yeah. stylish. It's very cool. And every Bond movie has imitated that ever since. Yeah. Um, and so... Pretty much right within the first five, ten minutes of the movie, I was kind of in it. Yeah. I don't know why they started with Dr. No, because Casino Royale is the first Bond novel, mm-hmm. which is why when they kind of did Daniel Craig, they did Casino Royale so they could reboot everything with the, with the origin story a little bit. Um, I know that there were like several versions of Casino Royale, including like a spoof version, which is technically an official version, but like Woody Allen plays James <laughs> really? Bond at one point in it. Yeah, it's a very weird movie. You've seen it? Yeah. Okay. There was also recommend a, it? No. <laughs> I actually watched that one when I was going through like a Woody Allen phase, not okay. like a James Bond phase. Because it's a comedy. It's a very weird movie. There was a Casino Royale TV show, I guess, at some point. Hmm. So I don't know why they picked Dr. No to start with. Um, but yeah, Goldfinger, like, I, like we said in the intro, it, it set the template, but it also is sort of when people think of James Bond... They think of Goldfinger. Yeah. I feel like the opening sequence where he like takes off the scuba suit to have a perfectly pressed white tuxedo <laughs> underneath, like yeah. that sort of like James Bond in the white tuxedo, that image kind of comes from this movie so clearly. Um, yeah. So you felt a little familiar as you watched it? Yeah. And I also felt like 
again, I haven't watched that that many Bond films, but mm-hmm. what I kind of liked about Sean Connery as Bond is that I laughed a little bit more. I think he, he, he says winks, some. He, he says, winks a little he bit. He winks a little He's bit. He's not like Roger Moore, who's just like, okay, dude. We get it, <laughs> which you don't know that reference at all. I just no clue. haven't seen it. No. <laughs> so there's the really cheesy one-liners, but I also feel like it's kind of okay to laugh at those. Like right. they know that they're cheesy one-liners. Right. In the opening, when he throws the fan into the the tub. Shocking. Positively shocking. Okay, I'm pretty confident you're supposed to be laughing at that. Right, right. Not just like, whoa. (laughs) Like, man, I wish I would have come up with something as awesome as that. I was going to say fan blade. (laughs) I'm a fan of baths. (laughs) I said you're done. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I think there is a playfulness to it that makes it endearing, I think. And actually kind of, in a way, sells the more playboy aspect of James Bond. Whether that's good or bad, I think we can talk about. And whether that's really comfortable at all anymore (laughs) is another conversation altogether. But Daniel Craig, I don't think, would sell that. No, I don't think he would. You know, obviously in the newer Bonds, he still is a guy that the ladies like and the ladies want. But it's mostly... almost like a... (laughs) Like he's like he's, it's a burden to bear. Well, <laughs> almost like he knows it's either something he does for the job or something that he knows is an empty experience. He's like, I'm filling a void that nothing can fill. <laughs> like I've killed so many people. Like I feel like he's got dead eyes. Yeah, Daniel Craig's Bond has kind of dead eyes rather than like the twinkling, like winking eyes yeah. of Sean Connery. So I guess if you're gonna ask me, like you know, do I like Sean Connery as Bond? I mean. I liked his take on it because it, I mean, it's the original take on it for the movies as far as that's concerned, but I didn't, I'm not familiar with that. You know, I only really know what Pierce Brosnan looks like as Bond and Uh what Daniel Craig looks like as Bond. And so comparing it to them, it's a little bit more playful Yeah, and it's certainly of its era Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, Um, definitely. But it, it almost needed that playfulness to make the stuff that doesn't hold up so well, a lot of like the the, the sexism and, and the mild racism, I think, that's in a lot of it. Um, what I think allows you to kind of not necessarily gloss over it, but understand it as being sort of of its time is the way Sean Connery plays it, which yeah. is never mean. Right. I would agree. Which Which could make it more bearable, but it could also be like, oh, we shouldn't like this guy at all. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of a, a hard, know, a hard line to walk because you don't want to... It's not excusable. No. Um, but I guess if you're trying to get into the mindset of where this was coming from, you can at least understand that in a way, it was coming from an innocent place. Innocent-ish, yeah. Innocent-ish. I'll put it that it way. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. doesn't make it I excusable. I get what you're saying. And if that I were to come out saying. today, it would be inexcusable. There were a lot of men who respected women and loved their wives and had good relationship with their mothers who maybe would have smacked somebody on the butt and said the men are talking. Like, <laughs> right. I should laugh at that, but, but no, I'm, it's funny but to it's, see now. Yeah, because like, it's so outlandish. It's like, like it's not appropriate, but those men weren't bad men. Right? It was, they were like, yeah. Um, so it is tough to watch this through modern eyes a little bit. Um, but I, at the same time, I would feel like if somebody 
if somebody only saw Bond as misogynistic, I would say that that was too narrow. He does care about some white women in the movie. <laughs> I'll give that what a, to what him. What a glowing recommendation from, from Ryan. <laughs> I'm not, in saying I like Goldfinger, I'm not defending those sorts of negative things. How's this? That's nice. Very nice. Just here. No, a little lower, darling. I thought I'd find you in good hands. Felix. <laughs> Felix, how are you? Dink, meet Felix Leiter. Hello. Felix, say hello to Dink. Hi, Dink. Dink, say goodbye to Felix. Uh, man talk. But I think it is so easy, and we, you know, I don't want to retread stuff that maybe we talked about, like in Gone with the Wind, but it is easy to be just so anachronistically PC about all of these movies that we watch from right. the past. Right. If you can watch them with that sensitivity and an understanding of knowing, like, okay, this is where we're at now, it's yeah. not where that movie was coming from. Yeah. It allows you to try to see what was the good in the characters there. Yeah. And there is good in James Bond. And it wasn't know? the point of the character. You know, it's not the motivation of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. Um, but ultimately, his motivation is avenging the death of Joe Masterson. Yeah. Like. And at the same time, though, and something I think that we do have to address is that James Bond has always been, and still to this day, I think, is a male fantasy mm-hmm. and just living out those male fantasies that are there, yeah. you know, and it might not be PC, but even a lot of that stuff that's in Goldfinger, a lot of males would fantasize about. They right. would fantasize about these women who you just kind of have to say something really clever and yeah. they'll jump right into bed with you, yeah. you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and right. then they'll be totally fine with how you treat them afterwards, you right. know, over and out. That should keep him occupied for quite some time. I'm beginning to like you, Mr. Bond. Oh, call me James. More than anyone I've met in a long time, James. Well, what on earth are we going to do about it? Yes, what? I'll tell you at dinner. Where? Well, I know the best place in town. And also just being the person who always knows what to do in every situation and yeah. doesn't really sweat anything and right. just knows everything about all the wines or the food or whatever situation yeah. you're in, you just know everything. Right. You know, he yeah. is basically a spy version of what Hugh Hefner built himself up to look like. You know? um, yeah. Did you listen to On the Media? <laughs> Uh yes, I think I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But did they talk about Bond in that? They just no. Talked they about... talked about Hugh Hefner. Yeah, about that. That was like his goal. He wanted a an alternative to like the woodsy man. He he wanted the sophisticated man who knew literature and music and like all this stuff. It is worth bringing up because I was reading that there's a tradition in James Bond movies where the Bond girl doesn't show up nude in the movie, but then goes on to do, even before the movie's released, a Playboy spread. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think I read that in the Roger Ebert review of Goldfinger. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. James Bond has always been a PG, PG-13 version of the male fantasy. Mm-hmm. Playboy and then Playboy was, was kind of like... Our X-rated the, version? The more our X-rated version of that same fantasy. mm all right. It's interesting that your first experience watching Bond and really loving it was when you were in junior high. Hmm. And mine was also when I was in junior high. I was in seventh or eighth grade and saw Tomorrow Never Dies. And I think there is something in 
James Bond movies that really does not No, I don't think I think <laughs> No, that's I wasn't a, saying it badly. <laughs> I'm saying base level, I guess is what you're getting at. Yeah. Like not especially thoughtful, not especially nuanced. No, and also like, really kind of like sugar or like candy for those insecurities that every guy deals with. Okay. That's that's an interesting take on it. I I think that there was one scene that that gave me kind of a I was like, "Ooh, that's problematic." is when he and Miss Galore... Um, Just say it. <laughs> Just say it. Uh, yeah, there is a character named Pussy Galore <laughs> in this movie, which was that thinly... Was that veiled at nope. the time that the movie came out? Or was everybody who watched the movie, they were like, oh my gosh. No, actually, that name would have meant everything back then that it meant now. And, they, in, and actually... Um, I was reading the Wikipedia article on Goldfinger, and they reference a few interviews from the time with the producers, Broccoli and uh, what was the other? Saltzman. Saltzman. Um, it said, I'm just going to read actually from the article. You can look it up yourself. Concerned about censors, the producers thought about changing the character's name to Kitty Galore, mm-hmm. but they and Hamilton, Hamilton being Guy Hamilton, the director, mm-hmm. decided, quote, if you were a 10-year-old boy and knew what the name meant, you weren't a 10-year-old boy. You were a dirty little bitch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> what the heck? The American censors were, the American censor was concerned, but we got around that by inviting him and his wife out to dinner and told him we were big supporters of the Republican Party. So that's how, because that's the UK. Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That kind of feeds into my whole theory of James Bond really appealing to that adolescent, juvenile, male mindset. And I'm not saying that necessarily in a critical way, because uh-huh. part of that mindset never really grows up. <laughs> I did not. I, when you said you had a good quote, I was like, oh, this will be interesting and very fun. And then, no, you just, somebody calling 10-year-old boys dirty little bitches? Is that... Oh my gosh. Re- yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to finishing my thought. <laughs> go ahead. All right. <laughs> Which was uh, the scene that was problematic to me that was like, eek. I don't know if I would want to. I don't know. Was it the hay scene? It was the, the hay yeah. scene. Because it when borders they're like fighting on and she's yeah. pushing, she's like trying, she's genuinely fighting him off mm-hmm. and he overpowers her to and, kiss her. Yes. And, and so where do the t- where does the martial arts end and the sex kind of begin? Is yeah, kind of where... and when does her? There is no clear enthusiastic consent at any point in that. Or... So let's let's kind of recap what happens in the movie. Okay. So uh, James Bond and Pussy Galore get into a tussle in a barn with hay. They literally roll around roll, in the yeah, hay. They're having a roll in the hay. Well, they're on Goldfinger's. Um, property in kentucky yeah, yeah and he owns racehorses yes so it's not weird that they're by a barn with hay no but um, it's a little on the nose <laughs> for them to actually be rolling in the hay but i think what you're supposed to believe happened which is a little unbelievable is that maybe the sex was so great or james bond was just such a magnetic character that he somehow wooed her over to his side and realized that this whole plan that goldfinger had put into place yeah was terrible right. And that she was a bad person for being a part of it. Well, she, she was never totally on Goldfinger's side either. She was getting paid. Yeah. But her role in it was to basically have her flying circus, Pussy Galore's flying circus, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fly over Fort Knox and gas all the soldiers there so that Goldfinger could go in and do his dirty work with the gold. Right. So 
what you realize, not till the very end of the movie, um, but what you realize is that she actually, somewhere in that period after the, the roll in the hay, got a clear conscience, and uh-huh. she's the one who notified Washington about the entire plan yeah. and switched the gas tanks with just whatever, Water some kind whatever. of gas that wasn't poisonous. And that made it so that the actual soldiers were able to jump in and save the day at yeah. the very end. Uh, and you don't realize that until the very end. How glad were you that that was not really poison when all those people were falling oh, down? Oh, yeah. I you mean, were like, this is so lame. But then they were all faking it. Yeah. So it's okay. It, it's okay that it was lame. <laughs> it's also just kind of terrible because they don't really give any weight to the fact that she's gassing an entire <laughs> yeah, well, camp of soldiers. Bond does say, so you're going to kill 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. Because you know that's a poison. That that gas will kill people, not just knock them unconscious, which is what he says earlier in the movie. But he says that to Goldfinger, not to her. Right. Yeah, maybe she didn't know because he was saying that it'll just knock people unconscious. Yeah. Maybe she wouldn't have done it otherwise. So that might have changed her mind. Maybe Bond told her that. Little pillow talk. I'm guessing as he twirled his her uh, hair in his fingers, he said, oh, and by the way, that gas you're going to use on Fort Knox will kill everybody, not just knock them unconscious. She said, hey, that's a great point. Regardless of the quality of the sex, it's a really good point. And <laughs> I'm a thinking, wise woman with a conscience, and you've 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 changed my mind with this new information. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's probably what happened. Way too boring for a Bond film, so they just cut that. Yeah, it's on the cutting room. Floor it's not quippy. It's no. not quippy. You're right, though, that that is a very uncomfortable to yeah. see because he still comes out looking very suave in all of that. Speaking, and, yeah, and speaking of things that are uncomfortable, did they ever explain, I don't recall, why Goldfinger has an all-Asian henchman staff? The only thing I can think of, and that it wasn't explained, is that he is working with the Chinese. Mm, that's true. Can I put forth a thought that I had and my my note on this begins with, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. I want to hear this. I'll just read my note. Okay. Oh, shit. Are his henchmen Asian because he likes yellow things? Oh, geez. Hey, I hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's my... The, I, but, like, he surrounds himself with yellow and gold. Yes. Yeah. And he only has Asian henchmen. Yeah. Is that a racist 60s thing? It, it could be. I wouldn't put it past it, but is it worth it to kind of maybe also talk about what Goldfinger's ultimate plan is? Because I think that is actually a big reason why a lot of his men just happen to be Asian. (laughs) Wow, you are being very generous with with this supervillain. But wait a second. Listen, Uh the whole, his whole plot. Yeah. I mean, you know this, his whole, I know his whole plot is, I mean, he's a guy who's all gold markets. He's Yeah. He he's already been stockpiling gold for himself. Yes. And then his whole plan is to basically ruin the entire gold supply of the, the United, United States, States so that his gold becomes much more valuable than what it currently is. But the only way that he's able to kind of get the resources he needs to do this whole thing is Using to convince the Chinese nuclear the weapon. East, all of the East mm-hmm. and the communist regimes. Right. You know, it's a, it's a Cold War to movie. To get them against the U.S. To get them against the U.S. is to mm-hmm. say, if I do this, it's going to throw the entire U.S. economy into turmoil. And mm-hmm. then you guys can come in and rise. Okay. And become the powers that you want to be. Okay. That's so the So then way... they staffed him. And now, why wasn't it Russians? With... I don't know. I don't know either. 
It could have been Russians. Could have been. Did it have to be Asians? Asians? I don't know. For but Goldfinger, maybe it did. Maybe it's just that they hired Odd Job, you know? <laughs> and they're like, well, he can't come out of nowhere. Odd Job's doing a great job. <laughs> Odd yeah. Job's great, you know? <laughs> I guess we got to have everyone else be of his ethnicity. Yeah. Odd Job was Korean. Did he mention the Koreans? Oh, no. But they were communist. They All were. right. I hope your part is true. I hope your thought is true. I also wouldn't be surprised if you were the right one. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. So this movie has, and our, our listener Eric actually emailed us, this movie has so many enduring images, things in it that just have lived on, and he gave a very comprehensive list. Again, Eric always comes to the rescue in our episodes. He does. Eric talked about the Aston Martin, and the Aston Martin has so many of those awesome tricks. It's got the smoke screen, it's got the the grease that it sprays, mm-hmm. it's got the ejector seat, it's got the the homing device, it's got the Ben Hur chariot style uh, yeah, spikes that spike. come out of the yeah, it's got the the, the rotating uh, license plate. Yes, <laughs> who would have thought of that? Um, and that was actually an, another element of Goldfinger that wasn't in Dr. No. The whole gadget and the whole talk with Q, Q about branch. this. Yeah. And in fact, I think I was reading that Goldfinger really was the first Bond that brought the real gadgetry into the Bond franchise. But that car is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And um, the blue terry cloth poolside outfit that uh, Bond wears in the early scene. And the, the laser scene, of course. Yeah. Is iconic. And it's still good. It still holds up, yeah, I think. Like, I think it, so, too. You know, obviously Bond lives. We've got plenty of other Bond <laughs> films still. Yeah. But you still were kind of like, oh, man, it's getting real close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Q branch scene is just so classic Bond, too. When they, you know, you see the people in the background trying out different mm-hmm. things. Morning, Q. Morning, Dalton. This way, please. All right, we are busy this morning. It's not perfected yet. Where's my Bentley? Oh, he's had its day, I'm afraid. But it's never let me down. M's orders, 007. You'll be using this Aston Martin DB5 with modifications. Now, pay attention, please. I wonder, though, has Q Branch ever had anything perfected? Because I feel like every time he visits Q Branch and everything he gives him, he's like, now be careful with this bond. It's not been perfected yet. And it's like, maybe maybe test it a little right. bit longer. <laughs> then don't give me this bomb in a pen Q- Q- if it's not yeah. going to work well. The Q Branch is very comfortable with beta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even the ejector seat, he's like, now this red button here. Yeah. Don't touch it. <laughs> Like, well then don't put it in there man right. or at least just make it like isn't there like somewhere you can just kind of snip the cable and then right, reattach yeah. it later it, on it, when this is it's done? not going to work bond we've cut the cable we're still trying it out i think he's drunk in my impression of him <laughs> that would explain why most of the stuff doesn't work <laughs> another thing is uh goldfinger's sort of lair now this one's not as elaborate as other ones like it's not in a volcano or whatever. It's just no, on a farm. That's something that Dr. No actually had on Goldfinger. Yes. Was that there was the whole island and, mm-hmm. and that whole compound or whatever right. it was. Right. Dr. No's. Um, but it was pretty funny to me 
that he had all that elaborate, like that rotating pool table and everything moved and all over. Yeah. Pretty much just to show people where Fort Knox is. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, like, and, they, and they had already listed everything he shows them. He's like, as you mentioned, an electrified fence. Was like, great, dude. You just like pushed us all out of the middle of the room and we were playing pool there. Yeah. And, and can we talk for just a second about how ridiculous and not tough those mafia guys seem? Yeah. Like every time something happens, you're like, Who well, the lights? What, what's going on here? What's going on here? It's Turn like, those lights back on, Goldfinger. What was that pool table? Merry-go-round? Like, <laughs> what's with the trick pool table, Goldfinger? <laughs> They're just scared by everything he's doing. <laughs> what's that? It's a fan. It's yes. a slight breeze. Wait, did someone touch me? Yeah. <laughs> they, they weren't very good. That was a pretty poorly written scene, but it's still kind of a great one. Like that, but that was okay. So that's where I had I started to kind of drop it down to a realistic more three and a half. It's just kind of like okay, this is very convenient. I'm gonna lay out this entire plan, and James Bond's just gonna happen to be underneath and just kind of listen in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, got that now. Thank you. Really? (laughs) And 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 for what? He lays out the entire plan to just kill them anyways. Right. This time watching it, I was like, oh, that's weird. Why did he do that? The gold depository at Fort Knox, gentlemen. In its vaults are $15 billion. The entire gold supply of the United States. Knock off Fort Knox. (laughs) (laughs) Got a key or something? Of a kind. There are 35,000 troops stationed around there. 41,000. And who's going to say boo to them, Goldfinger? Hey, what's going on here? What is it? Hey, on the floor, my I don't know. Kind of a big plot hole. Yeah. Maybe I just wasn't watching closely, like the 50 times I've seen it. Well, and that- I can tell you that that scene to a junior hire, not the most interesting scene. Right. I'm zoning out. <laughs> When it comes to a James Bond movie, I think you just kind of have to be a little bit more forgiving of that kind of thing. Right. And it does actually make me want to ask you something, which is... Um, oh, okay. How much do you think James Bond movies are made to ever be rewatched? Oh. Or are they kind of of their time? And huh. Because I kind of wonder why I never really did go back to them. And I think it's because how many James Bond movies do people really talk about? Like, oh, yeah, you got to watch that again. You got to, you know, you, you, it'll get so much better the next time oh. you watch it. Or like, well, yeah, you know, it seems like every James Bond movie you watch is so much of its time. You even watch like the Pierce Brosnan Bonds and they're yeah. very 90s. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're going to look at even the Daniel Craig ones and we're going to be like, yep, that looks like a movie. No, that, they'll live you know. forever. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean... Like, are they kind of just made as I think, entertainment? Yeah. Not really meant to be something that we revisit very often well, or, you know... You don't revisit it for the same reason you revisit There Will Be Blood. Or The Godfather or... Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not layered like that. But I think with Bond specifically the formula makes it comfortable or comforting. Like you just, oh, I really want a spy kind of movie and I want it to fit this formula. A Bond movie is going to do that. And um, I could see myself watching Goldfinger again, but I'm wondering why. Like, because you're I not really like, going to dig into it and I get a whole like, lot more. I mean, people rewatch fluff movies all the time. I think James Bond is a character that remains compelling. And... It's not necessarily that any single James Bond movie 
is worth watching more than once. Again, except for maybe Skyfall, because that movie is different. But since I like spy movies, and I like spy stories and James Bond, Goldfinger was the one that kind of hit it for me. And it hit it for a lot of people, I think, because it set the template. Goldfinger's plan is unique. It's not just some weird, convoluted thing. It didn't sound like Dr. Evil. Right. Like from Austin It sounded Austin more Powers. like the Joker. Yeah. Where he just wants to go in and mess stuff up to his advantage. Right. Not just amass wealth, but like, I'm going to get wealthier by ruining a powerful country's wealth. Right. You know? So I think it's a tough question to answer in general, but I think I can speak for Goldfinger because it's kind of that movie for me that there's just something a cut above the standard genre movie. I, I know I've I've compared movies to Friends before, but this one, like this, not specifically Goldfinger, but those movies that you know aren't that great, but you get back to. To me, it's like, you know you've got a really good friend when you don't have to do anything when you're together. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the friend that you would be comfortable watching TV with and like just flipping through the channels? Now There's something good. great about that friendship where... You don't have to talk. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think. Right. You're just there. That person's there for you, you know? And they may eat loudly or something. And other people who don't know them would be like, how can you stand it? You're like, I don't even notice Never bothered me. That's just that person, you know? So, like, I think people find that in certain movies and music and books and TV shows and stuff. And maybe Goldfinger's that for me. Yeah. Okay, how about... uh, let's, Let's go back to the ratings. So, after the discussion... I mean, it seems like nothing's really going to change. No, you're not going to like blow this one open for me. <laughs> you, you're probably at four stars because of when you saw it and probably, its connection yeah. to you, I and that's fine. Nostalgia. For I me, think... it's three and a half because I do recognize it as one of the better Bond movies I've seen. So three and a half, it's well deserved. I, I, you know? I think it's not just the time period that I saw it that I'm like, you know, still in some arrested development. Like my 13 year old mind can't forget my first feelings. I think because I'm a Bond fan, because I'm I'm comparing it to all the other Bond movies, I'm comparing it to spy movies in general. I also film history a little bit, not mm-hmm. to, that sounds pretty uh, highfalutin, but I just mean it's impact. Right. The lasting images, like the iconic scenes and lines and stuff, it's all tied in there for me. Yeah. And that it still holds up. Like, it's not like... No, it's not last. It's not bad. like Dr. No, where no. you are like... Okay, it kicked it all off, but I'm glad it got better. Right. So that's why it's got four. It's not just stubborn nostalgia. All right. The best buds? Yeah, sure. All right. Let's keep it at that then. All right. (laughs) So we're best buds. It's good news. It is good news. So our next episode, we were just looking at the calendar. The holidays are, are approaching. Yes. Thanksgiving. That's one of them. Very soon. That's that's one. I'm blanking on the others. (laughs) Um, I'll figure it out. But our calendars are full. Nate and I. Yeah. Nate and my. Things get busy. It happens. It happens. We both have uh, our own families. We both have full-time jobs. And, uh, Uh you know, things just get busy. Yep. So we're we're unfortunately only going to have one more episode between now and the new year. So we're doing our Christmas episode... It's not super early. It'll already... Black Friday will have passed. Right. Well, we probably honestly won't actually release the episode until December. But it'll be hopefully early December. Yeah. Yeah. The point is, we're going to take a little vacation. 
but we're not we're not breaking up. We'll be back. We might um, even be friends in the midst of that vacation. Yeah, I bet we will because the episode that we are doing to celebrate the holidays is an attempt to wash away the bitterness of last year's holiday episode. <laughs> our bitterest. Yes, it episode. was our. It was our. It's worst, my most contentious episode yet, and it just it's happened my to be darkest episode too. And I it think. just happened to be our Christmas episode, which I've always kind of felt guilty about because Christmas should be such a joyful time. And it, yeah, and we ended. It up was just, not a good episode. It. I mean, it was a fine episode. All of them are. <laughs> But um, go back to that archive if you want to hear some. <laughs> Can we still be friends? Yeah. Net. Um, but it, I I explored some dark regions of my psyche and my childhood, and I was just getting frustrated Nate that was, one of my favorite movies was getting torn apart. Right. And, so there was know. just a lot of bitterness. We're gonna we're gonna rectify that in the spirit of the holidays, Thanksgiving being one of them, by watching. I think it's safe to say both our favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, over time it has definitely grown to that. Me too. And so I we, liked it when I was a kid, but it's only gotten stronger. Right, my and feelings it's, it for is. It. There are a handful that I try to watch every year, but that's one I will not celebrate Christmas without watching. Of course, of course, of course. And so we're going to be joyous. We're going to celebrate this movie together. That we're going to we hopefully, together. hopefully, yes. it's going to be more than just joyful tears and squealing. I'm sure you're saying, just tell us the movie because I want this episode to end. And we will tell you the movie, but this movie uh, is one that we both love. Like I said, I loved it when I was a kid, and I've only grown to love it more as an adult. That movie is Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, but I think we kind of have to sell it in this I, I kind of do, too. Because you don't hear it talked about all that often as being one of the best Christmas movies made. This was the one with um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine as, as Scrooge. Scrooge. The yeah. Muppets, which... Mm-hmm. The everyone, Muppets, everyone the, loves. Uh, yeah. Kermit is one. He's um, one of them. I think Gonzo <laughs> is another one. There might be a Gonzo in there. Uh, we'll 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 list them. We're just blanking right now, and uh, so we're not going to try to convince each other about this movie because no we need. agree. No need. We're going to celebrate the movie. Perhaps the one who needs convincing is you, the one with listener. the heart. Two sizes too small yeah. for Muppet Christmas Carol. But like, might be you. You're mixing movies. It's a little. <laughs> don't confuse them. But like Nate said, it's not one that necessarily people say name the best Christmas movie. Muppet Christmas Muppet, Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. We we do think though that more people should say that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people probably just never saw it. So if you are one of those people, I think just by us doing this episode, I'm hoping that you just catch it. That yeah. you actually just decide for Christmas this year, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. If you don't celebrate Christmas, it's still just I think is a universal story in itself. The message of Christmas Carol, especially the Muppet Christmas Carol, is very very universal. universal. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. I'm thinking about it now, and I, I just love it. So I'm excited to watch it again. I know I was going to watch it anyways, so it's nice because it's not going to really be something I have to make time for for this podcast. That's a good point. So I'll have to bump it up a little bit in my time timetable. Yeah, but, but that only right. means I can watch it you again. Know what? I'm probably going to watch around Thanksgiving. Okay. After the Packer Bear game, now or that's... before the Packer Bear game, because it's a night game. If you've seen Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, if you've got thoughts about it, if you think we're off our rockers and it's like the worst movie ever, it's the worst rendition of Christmas Carol, the oh worst boy. Muppets movie ever, oh I, I'd love to hear your wrong argument. Here's the thing. We will we'll, we'll listen with open ears if you if you share your thoughts with an open heart as well, not, not, a, not a cudgel. So whatever your thoughts are, please leave them in all of the various ways you can leave feedback with Can We Still Be Friends? And that is on our website, www.canwestillbefriends.net. You can comment on any one of our episodes. You can also send us an email, 
feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We also have a voicemail number that you can call. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 847-306-9532. Maybe you can sing your uh, comments in a, in a style of a Christmas carol. Maybe. You don't have to. Give it a shot. Just give it a Just, shot. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Come on, guys. What do you have to lose? There's no judgment here. Anyways, uh, and also, you know, make sure you also share any thoughts you have on this episode of Goldfinger, uh, yeah. any thoughts about James Bond. Did you yep. see Spectre? Uh, did you see Spectre, Ryan? I did not see Spectre. I, I didn't either. one day to do that. Yeah, true. You I thought maybe you went open. You're such a fan. I thought maybe you yeah. would have, you know, gone I'll opening night. I'll see it. I'll see it. Anyways, um, yeah, let us know what you think of uh, anything, any of our past episodes. We'd, we'd just love to hear it all. So Yeah, or whatever's um, on your mind. We'll yeah, listen. We'll listen. We just want to thank you for tuning in and yeah. listening and subscribing to our podcast. And uh, if you've ever ever left us a rating on iTunes or done anything to help us out, we always appreciate that. Yeah. If you haven't, there's still time. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Tell your friends about uh, this podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. It would. We hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving because we yeah. won't talk to you until uh, th- after that. Yeah. Have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, don't eat too much turkey. Uh, you'll be stuffed. <laughs> Or do. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no it's judgments, like we hey, said. It's Thanksgiving. Um, just, Be thankful. Uh, eat what you want. Yep. Don't let Ryan tell you how much to eat. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Say goodbye. <laughs> I can't.